The Orange FM. to another episode of Bad Wolf Radio, a discussion and review podcast all about Doctor Who. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Goins, and I'm here with the man who went and told all his Earth friends about the special mineral on the scent sphere, Adam Farmer. And you know that's not true, because if it was, I would not be recording right now. I'd be locked up in some distant planet and unable to get out. <laughs> but I am not only here with Adam Farmer. We also have a guest this week. Everything went so well with having our guest last week, Amy Ratcliffe, that we wanted to try it again. So we actually have an author, writer for CNET and the SFX magazine, verified Twitter user and all-around web celebrity, Bonnie Burton. Welcome, wow. Bonnie. Verified Twitter user. That makes me sound like uh, everybody else is just not legit, which is not true. <laughs> you have totally that not cool true. blue check mark next to your name. So. I know. That is legit. It's so random. What we want to do here at the top of the show, Bonnie, is kind of get an idea of your, your personal Doctor Who fandom and ask you some questions. So okay. to start off, when did you start watching Doctor Who and kind of what got you hooked into it? Um, I started watching Doctor Who in the 70s uh, when I was a kid. So my first Doctor, and quite honestly, my only Doctor is Tom Baker. So that would, I guess that would have been like 77, 78. Um, probably most likely 78. I when I grew up, I grew up in a very rural area of Kansas, and we didn't have a lot of TV channels to choose from. So one of the channels was PBS, and they played only PB, they played only um, British programming. So my dad was a big fan of All Creatures Great and Small uh, because he uh, worked on a ranch, and also he worked with uh, veterinarians and so forth. So that was his favorite show, uh, and we used to watch it together, but then right before it or right after it would be uh, Doctor Who. And he wasn't interested in it, but I was just completely enthralled. And this, I think this was before I even got introduced to Star Wars. So I was all about Doctor Who from the very beginning. And I'd, I'd never seen Star Trek, the original TV series or anything like that. So it was kind of my introduction to sci-fi. And I uh, was a huge Anglophile from early, early on. So... I mean, I was watching that. I was watching um, Are You Being Served, Monty Python, Faulty Towers. <laughs> you know, just I mean, yes. you pretty much name any British comedy or, uh, you know, any kind of show that had a British accent. And I was all over it. And now keep in mind, no one, I didn't know anyone British in Kansas. And so <laughs> I was pretty isolated. But I loved Doctor Who. I loved that he had a robot dog named K-9. I kind of named one of my grandfather's farm dogs canine, even though I think it had a different name. I just called it canine. And uh, I, you know, demanded that my mom or my grandmother knit me a giant scarf like Tom Baker. And, um, you know, I would try to talk in a British accent, which I'm sure I sounded like 
Oliver Twist or something. Um, <laughs> it's bad, it's more like bad Cockney accent. Wasn't posh by any means. Um, and I, I just loved uh, the adventures, and I loved that. I was a big into crafts, so I used to try to make my own dialects and my own canine out of craft supplies. And I, you know, anytime I saw anything resembling a tall box, I would try to turn it into a TARDIS. Um, I think my first cardboard fort was a TARDIS. So, yeah, I was pretty smitten on an early age. I will have to say, Bonnie, I don't know if you know this, but you are actually a big part of why I started watching Doctor Who. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Because I was just seeing you tweet about it all the time, and then I met you at Star Wars Celebration 5, which I think was in 2009, was it? Yeah, I think so. It might have been actually before that. So... Sure, yeah. I I met you there, and I remember we were talking, and you had asked me, are you watching Doctor Who? And I was like, no, I haven't started yet. And you were like, you have to watch Doctor Who. I know, I'm such a Doctor Who bully. (laughs) I'm not really a bully, but I definitely, I think any time I meet someone that's never seen Doctor Who, I feel like it's, um, I'm like a Doctor Who missionary. I feel like I have to help introduce people to Doctor Who in the best way possible, and I mean, I love the reboot. Um, I'm gl- I'm so glad that it happened because it gave that franchise the resurgence that it it's it de- definitely deserved. I I absolutely love that because uh, our last podcast talking with Amy, she actually referred to classic Doctor Who fans as being Doctor Who bullies. Yeah, and there we go. We've just verified that we all do have a bullish nature to us i don't know if it's bullies or evangelists there you i go. mean i i think that's better because bully implies that we force people who don't want to watch it to watch it which i don't think is what that means i think what we're definitely a generation and it depends on how you were introduced to doctor who it's very much like star wars you know there's a whole generation of star wars fans that uh, grew up on the prequels and not the original trilogy and don't even like the original trilogy. And then you've got a whole generation of fans who only know Star Wars from the Clone Wars animated series. So it's very similar with Doctor Who. It just depends on which doctor you started with uh, really determines, I think, your love and admiration for the series. And, uh, you know, there are people that don't like Tom Baker, God forbid, uh, that like other doctors before and after him. So, uh, and the same with, you know, the new doctor who there, I wasn't particularly fond of Matt Smith. I thought David Tennant was the best of all the new doctors. Uh, I don't have anything against Matt Smith or Eccleston for that matter. Um, I just prefer Tennant's, uh, mannerisms. And I thought Tennant was much more akin to Tom Baker. So that's why I liked it. But, I mean, everyone has their own favorite doctor and reasons why they love that doctor the most. So, and I, and I don't begrudge that. I mean, I think everyone's entitled to their favorite doctor and not one is better than the other. It's purely a matter of who you prefer and who you grew up with. So I, I have to ask, um, now that you've already covered your favorite doctor, how do you feel about the impending Capaldi doctor? Have you been <laughs> have you been staying up so to speed funny. on that? I, I actually loved him from other series that I've seen him in. I'm used to that actor playing some really uh, smart alecky uh, screaming characters. So I'm kind of looking forward to see what he's going to do with Doctor Who. Now, I don't know 
what kind of doctor has been written for him. Like, just because he's an actor that is used to playing a smartass doesn't necessarily he's going to be that same persona as the doctor. But um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm very curious to see what the reaction is going to be from fans um, who are used to having a heartthrob kind of character, kind of actor play the doctor. Because, I mean, I, I never considered Eccleston a heartthrob, but definitely Tennant and Matt Smith have this kind of, like, boyish charm to them. And obviously they're young and they're good looking. And so it brought out a different kind of fandom for the Doctor. I don't remember the Doctor ever having uh, so many people, so many fangirls, I guess I should say, that were in <laughs> love with, madly in love with them. Right. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen to those women if they're going to be still excited for Peter. I mean, Peter's not ugly or anything. It's just he's not, you know, uh, star hits quality. I'm trying to think of like a teenage magazine and I can't do it. <laughs> G16, sassy. He's that sassy magazine cover. I don't no, know. No, no. <laughs> uh star hits no what bop bop magazine there you go there you go (laughs) i just i don't i don't know what's gonna happen i hope i hope that fans give him a chance but uh who knows i mean that's the problem with when you uh resuscitate an old franchise with a really hot person as the main character what happens when you place that main character with an old guy uh, like, it'd be kind of like if Sherlock, if Benedict Cumberbatch was replaced. Oh, I don't want to say that. I was going to say replaced with Stephen <laughs> Fry, but that's not a good analogy. So <laughs> I think Stephen Fry is kind of cute. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what a good analogy would be. I'm trying to think of an old British guy that no one finds sexually attractive. But I know if I say it out loud, I'm going to. I'm going to get backlash on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody finds anybody sexually attractive. I know. I know. So that's, so basically it'll be very interesting to see if, uh, you know, everyone, if Moffat and crew get backlash because they basically stuck in, um, an actor who doesn't have like a teenage following or a 20 something following or a fangirl following. So, I think they might fill that gap with a companion, like a young male uh, companion. Yeah, but the companion that they picked, I, I'm not really feeling either. And they made that, they already made that announcement. They showed him. Yeah. Just wasn't, Dana I don't Pink. know. I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. And here's the thing. Um, I don't know if they picked the right actor for this doctor, but here's the thing. If it doesn't work, they'll just change him out anyway. So they'll figure yeah. out thing in the storyline to change it so who knows i was personally i would have liked to see a female uh time lord thrown in there it doesn't have to be the main uh doctor it doesn't have to be female he could have another companion that's also a time lord um i just miss the quality you know like my one of my biggest favorite companions was uh, ramana and i would have loved to see something like that where and we've been introduced to other Time Lord type characters that could work, like Jenny, who yeah. is actually part of him. That would yes. be consistent with the fact. I mean, she disappeared. When are we going to see her again? I'm um, waiting for it. Oh, River River is a kind of a Time Lord. Or oh, at least... I hate River. I don't even get me started. <laughs> she doesn't count in your mind. River's so annoying to me. I to me, River was a huge distraction 
And I, uh, I love, I do love the actress that plays her, but I wish they didn't have her playing River, if that makes sense. Like, I love her in other things, um, but I just did not like live River at all. I almost called her Liver. I don't like <laughs> at all. I don't like River and Onions. No, I just, I just didn't, I didn't get it. I, oh, I so was who... so annoyed with that. But then again, I'm also one of those Doctor Who fans that, one of the very few that hated Rose. So, uh, yeah. You, you, we, I think we agree with you on Tenant, but I think we would disagree with you on Rose. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> did, I, did, honestly, did you... I don't want to sound sexist here, but I do kind of feel like most guys like Rose because she's hot. I and don't even think she's that hot. I think the realizing teeth, the that teeth she, in the is, first... she has screwed up so many <laughs> timelines. She's just so annoying. She's whiny. If you think about the age difference between the Doctor and her, it's creepy. It's just ugh. That's any companion. But yeah, but he doesn't have sex with, or he doesn't. Well, I guess he doesn't <laughs> have sex with Rose, but he doesn't like. I don't know. He doesn't fall in love with every single companion either. Ah, oh, both TARDIS. Same old life, last of the Time Lords. Can you remember? Some of the other companions, uh, just because, uh, you know, Catherine Tate as Donna was great because she didn't, she wasn't attracted to him at all. She used to make fun of him all the time, which I loved. And it was much more of a brother sister kind of relationship. No threat of any romance, which I thought was perfect because Donna was such a breath of fresh air because I was so tired of all the companions falling in love with him. It was just annoying. Like I felt bad for Martha. Uh, because, you know, she l- clearly was falling in love with him and he wasn't having it and Rose had messed him up. And I mean, I love Pond. Probably she's one of my favorite companions because she just didn't take any of his whining either. I don't know. I just uh, it just depends. I- I'm much more partial to companions that are sassy as opposed to companions that try to kiss him all the time. Ugh. So who's your hands down favorite companion? Oh. <sighs> There's so many to choose from, and I do love the Tom Baker companions. Um, God, I don't know. What, what are your favorites? Because I don't want to like just go off on the similar. I don't want to be too repetitive. You're not going to like our answers. I've... What? You're going to say Rose, aren't you? My favorite's Rose, Rose and not because she's hot, but uh, <laughs> I also like Donna as well. I did not like Martha at all. I thought she was just the teen crush that she had on the doctor was annoying you know, it was so sad but i think what's yours adam i would i would say susan but no i'm i'm completely kidding <laughs> um, <laughs> susan a foreman yeah susan a oh, foreman i i am i'm gonna go out on the limb there and say that the more that i watch the two episodes he's in i absolutely love craig from um the lodger and and i can't even remember the second craig, episode he's in I do like Sarah Jane. Yes, yes. I would, I would, I would strike That's a traditional line and say Rose I love, or Amy. 
I love, love, love the journalist angle. And I think that's, uh, it would be, I would love to see that happen again, where they bring on a companion who's a blogger, you know, someone that just has zero journalistic ethics. <laughs> it would be so great to have them constantly, you know, try to, uh, I don't know. It would just be fun to have a companion who's just not so squeaky clean, um, I mean, I, lo- I was a big fan of Leela just because she was kind of like a Xena warrior princess. I mean, she was great because she slapped so many women on that on those seasons that she was with Tom <laughs> Baker, which I love that because she was just like, you know, she's a warrior. I mean, she's like Wonder Woman in the sense that she's an a, kind of an Amazonian uh, warrior. And so anytime uh, women would just lose lose sanity and just start crying and screaming because they're being attacked by aliens or whatever she would just slap them senseless to like (laughs) put them back into reality and just couldn't understand why women were so weak and feeble and i just love that about her i love that she was just such a you know let's go attack let's go you know she was actually the one that the doctor had to kind of tame a little bit because leela was just ready to go into combat mode every time they landed on a planet because she just didn't trust anybody and she didn't trust any aliens whatsoever. And she knew that the doctor was always going to be in danger. And I think that's why I I really loved her too. So it's, it's hard to pick a good, it's hard to really pick my favorite companion because there really are so many. And, uh, and it's funny because I think I dressed up as a few for Halloween too. Um, No, I, I I don't know. They were such a big part of my childhood, you know, like I just loved the fearlessness of it. Um, I loved Sarah Jane. I loved, um, God, I don't know, but see, I'm much more partial to the older episodes too. Um, mainly because, you know, it's just, it's so much more campy and there's so much more imagination and it's not CG it's costumes, Right. you know, there's a lot of old school costumes um that they do kind of do shout outs to in the new series but it's just i just love the ingenuity and the creativity of of the series from the 70s i mean you have to admit this is before special effects really came into play as a thing we all take for granted now and you just had to be kind of you know rick baker-esque in your your creativity when it came to makeup and costuming and they didn't always get it right. I mean, there were some episodes where I'm like, oh, this is such a 1970s, like, acid trip and not a good one. So <laughs> I would love I would love to have you next to me as I watch some of these classic episodes, because I just I, think that would I, be a you blast. Know what my favorite one, one of my favorite ones to watch with people is the Ark in Space, which I think is season 12. And that's when I think people are slowly turning into like green plants. matter i don't know it's just the funniest thing ever and it's great when you watch really old episodes and with people that are just used to the new ones and you see characters that have been brought back into the new episodes Uh, but you see there where they originated like when you see original dialects you just kind of you can't help but giggle because (laughs) they're ridiculous um but I don't know. It's just one of those things that I, I love sharing old school Doctor Who with people who have never seen it before. They either love it or they look at me like I'm completely insane because I love it. You know, they just don't they don't understand what the attraction is because that the special effects just don't exist yet. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. 
So, so reaching back into uh, your memory banks of the classic Doctor, even going to the modern series, what is the one villain or monster that just still gives you the creeps? That gives me the creeps? Yes. Um, it's hard. I mean, I, I, I do like from the new episodes, I love the Weeping Angels. Um, just because I love that idea that if when you're not looking at them, they're sneaking up on you. And... They're originally statues, and they're statues in every cemetery. You know, you go to any cemetery, right. and you'll see angel statue, statues that are like that. And now, of course, Doctor Who's totally warped us. So anytime we go to a cemetery, we're going to be skeevied out even more <laughs> than we would have been normally. Um, how, I, You know, I, I do... I would say Weeping Angels. I mean, I don't know. It kind of depends on what your phobias are to begin with. Um, what are some of you guys' favorite villains? I'm curious. <laughs> For me, I would say the Weeping Angels are definitely a great addition. Um, I think they've been a little bit watered down. When, yeah. they, when they were first introduced, they were great. I think it's been watered down since then. Other than that... Uh, I forget. I think... What's the one where you have to put a mark on yourself? The Silence. Silence. Yeah, yeah. that that's one of my favorite ones, too. Yeah, uh, just... Because you forget, you instantly forget you're in danger is really scary to think about that you can't warn yourself properly against something like that. Yeah. And then just for like f the fear factor of it, the, the kind of the wolf aliens from the uh, from the tenant episodes where the uh, what was it? He went to the Torchwood estate. Yes. Yeah. Queen Victoria. Yeah, and the wolf was going in there and killing everybody. I thought that was the kind werewolves. Of, yeah, well, yeah. I guess they were I mean, aliens, but they, they were, were aliens. But you know, whatever. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I just I love the idea that the royal family have a werewolf line bloodline. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that I love that idea, and it just cracks me up because, um, you know, the royal family are pretty well known for. If you don't have affairs and, um, you know, marry other people into the family that aren't part of your bloodline, you are you get a lot of weird people stuck <laughs> into the royal family. I mean, you can go back to m almost all British history or Scottish history and see that, and Russian history too, for that matter, when it comes to the Russian monarchy, they're just a bunch of hemophiliacs because they just, their family tree doesn't have a lot of branches and so because of that, you know, you have a lot of health problems. And I just love the idea that they're playing on hemophilia and they're playing on things going into the bloodline that shouldn't um, and, and health risks and that werewolfism that might be one of them. And I love that. I love that so much. All right. So last question. Okay. Some, somebody tells you that they are willing to watch three episodes of Doctor Who. And if they don't like those episodes, they're not going to ever watch it again. What three oh, episodes no. do you tell them to watch? see that's that's the thing do you do you decide to make them watch something sort of serious or do you just go full on what do you think will get them hooked i oh. I, I have and i think it depends on the person but i in general depends what, on the doctor too yeah um from any doctor any you know classic or modern which three episodes would you tell them to watch i'm trying to think uh the problem with this scenario is that when you get them to watch the modern day versions, um, you're going to have a bit of a problem because the storylines are so entrenched. Like there's an overall story arc throughout the whole season. Like when you think of bad wolf 
and that whole situation. Um, God, I've never to... heard of that. No. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. I'm trying to think of, um, oh, I wish I'd written this down. I usually know them all by name. And I know your listeners will know which one I'm talking about. Uh, I'm trying to find it. I'm looking on my Hulu Plus to see if I can find it. But it's an over-the-top episode of an android kind of alien. Oh, the pirate planet. That's it. So I would make them watch the pirate planet, though there's four episodes. They have to watch four, not three. Which and the doctor reason, is that? This is Tom Baker. Okay. This is Tom Baker, so it would be 1978. And basically the doctor and Romana is his uh, companion – um go they're basically going to one planet but find that another planet has taken its place which seems to be a thing that happens quite a bit in doctor who and they come again across the the mediads and a cyborg captain who looks who basically looks like a cross between captain hook and captain crunch (laughs) and he's got a robot parrot that uh basically is just constantly he's constantly fighting with and it's a really funny episode and i like that because i really (laughs) i think it shows all the bizarreness of doctor who but at the same time the sense of humor the companionship um ramana is one of my favorites when it comes to you know companions um because she's on she's almost equal to him and on his same level there's no weird kissy kiss going on you know what i mean like i just feel like it's a good um it's a good one to watch but if i want to show them of doctor who on this planet um instead of going to another planet because there's a lot of earth episodes with tom baker as with tenet um i think it'd be fun to show uh city of death just because it's in paris um it also starts off with doctor the doctor playing chess with K nine which I really, really love the canine <laughs> episodes because you can see that it's more just a, a guy and his dog. You know, it's like canine's smarter than the doctor in a lot of places. And um, just, I love anything with canine in it. And I that's something that I think is really missing from the newer episodes. They did bring back canine for one storyline with uh, David Tennant, which was very sad. I actually cried during that episode because... Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but something happens to K9 and it just gutted me. So, um, and just the banter going back and forth between the two because Tenet, uh, Tenet's doctor had not seen K9 in, cen- in centuries, or I guess it depends when you're a Time Lord. It's not like <laughs> I don't know when he last saw him, but it seemed like he hadn't seen them in forever. And it was just one of those, um, it's almost like an Odyssey moment. You know, when you see your dog after traveling forever and you don't see him for so long and instantly the dog recognizes you uh, no matter how many times you've regenerated. And it's and the dog is with Sarah Jane. That's when Sarah Jane comes back into the picture. I think that's right before Sarah Jane Chronicles happened. Um, But I'm a big canine fan. So and if you I think if you look up on YouTube, wasn't there something called the Canine Chronicles, which was supposed to be a spinoff. With and this was in the '80s of Canine and Sarah Jane solving mysteries together, um, and it had such an '80s intro. It was such a Night Rider intro. It was pretty awesome. So I think you can look that up on YouTube. Sorry, that's a really long answer. That's all right. You still have. I, I think you still have one more. 
Is that two episodes that you gave us or three? I don't know. I have two. two. <laughs> and then if uh, the modern day ones, <sighs> I don't know what to pick for the modern day ones because they're so entrenched in a bigger storyline. You know, my favorite one, I think, out of all the new ones was with David Tennant, David Tennant's doctor and uh, Donna as the companion. And it's an Agatha Christie episode. And they go back and meet Agatha Christie and have to solve a murder. With yes. a giant, the giant bee. Giant the wasp. Bee. Yeah. Giant wasp. And that, I think, is one of my favorite episodes. Agatha Christie. What about her? That's me. No. <laughs> You're kidding. Agatha Christie. I was just talking about you the other day. I said, I bet she's brilliant. I'm the doctor. This is Donna. Oh, I love your stuff. What a mind. You fool me every time. Well, almost every time. Well, once or twice. Well, once, but it was a good one. So there you go. Awesome. Well, you Incredible. had some great answers. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. But um, so now we'll we'll move into just one topic. I think that we wanted to talk to. We we want to go ahead and put out a spoiler alert here, just in case any of our listeners don't want to know any details about the upcoming season. This is just a rumor, so we don't even know if this is fact, but. It is a rumor that, if true, could spoil something. So for now, is it wanna... about Cumberbatch? <laughs> yeah, Cumberbatch <laughs> is know. the master. Sorry, I keep trying to push that in there somewhere. <laughs> if it happens, I would be overjoyed. If they he had Benedict, if they he had Benedict Cumberbatch come on the show as the master, even if it was just for one episode, I mean, that would just blow everyone's mind. I don't think he'll do it. I honestly don't think he'll do it. It's just I, he's so. He's been bombarded with so many uh, things to play. I mean, he still has that rumor that he's supposed to be in the new Star Wars. And, you know, he was playing with fans there back and forth saying he's not confirming or denying. Um, so that's been an issue. The new Star Trek, they, you know, fans want him to come back because he's just in stasis. He's not dead. So as Khan. So there's that. Um I don't know, though. He keeps saying in most of his interviews that he wants to play something totally goofy because he's tired of playing these serious, heavy roles of, you know, people that are either villains or just psychologically complicated or real life people. You know, that he's playing most recently. He's playing Imitation Game. He's playing Alan Turing, who uh, created Colossus and had a lot to do with... uh, solving the enigma machine and basically the godfather of computing. So, anyway, so sorry. We can talk right. about Cumberbatch for a long time, but we're not supposed to talk about Cumberbatch. We're supposed to talk about Dr. Who rumors. So what's the rumor? So the rumor, we, we can start a new rumor right now. If you want, <laughs> we can kick it off right here. Oh. <laughs> so the rumor is that I guess, uh, the seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy was at a convention and on a panel or something, he let slip that he, knows that the master is going to be returning to the series and he already knows the actor that's going to play and it's not going to be John Sim who is the last actor to play the master. Oh, I like John. I thought he was great. Yeah, you know was, what they should do? I know who they should play as the master. Uh you you know the show that John Sim was on called uh, Life Life on Mars. Uh his uh boss on that show should play the master. <laughs> Do you know? You don't know what I'm, I'm not talking familiar. about. No. God. I want to. Sorry. I want to know. <laughs> okay. Well, your listeners should know, but both of you, your homework after this is that you have to go watch the series Life on Mars, which is on Hulu Plus okay. as awesome. well. 
and it's very good. It's, and it's, it's actually very similar to Dr. Who in the sense that is a bit about time travel where a cop, a modern day cop gets hit by a car, gets thrown into a coma. And when he wakes up, he's still himself, but he's in the seventies. Oh, and did they do a, an American remake of that? They did a horrible American remake okay. of that. But the British one's great. So they did it of him in the 70s, and he's trying to figure out how he can get back home. But in the meantime, he has to solve mysteries or murders in a police uh, precinct in the 70s. So you see all this pre-CSI stuff. You see all this sexism. You see all, you know, all this stuff's going on. And then there's a sequel called Ashes to Ashes, which is set in the 80s, and it's a female detective. And I actually like that one better. Um, and it's it's kind of time travel-esque in the sense of she went back in time and she's trying to figure out how to get back to her normal day, which is modern day time. So, so. is Sim the, the star of the show? Is he the main actor? Yeah, he's the main actor, but he has a boss that is kind of a throwback, misogynistic, old-school cop boss. He was in both that series and Ashes to Ashes. But his, uh, he's such a great character, and um, he kind of was the breakout character and stole the show, literally, uh, that he would make such a great addition to Doctor Who. I would love to see that happen. I would actually love to see a Doctor Who episode uh, set in the 70s. I don't think they've done that yet, have they? They've done 60s, and they've done... Um, 50s i think and definitely yeah. 40s with uh, are you my mommy yeah they with, definitely uh, did 50s but they haven't done 70s yet have they so maybe they'll bring them in for that but yeah i would love I, it'd be interesting to see who, what actor they pick for the master so who do you think you want it to be cumberbatch i don't think it's gonna be no cumberbatch. i don't i don't i definitely don't think it would be him they would probably want to bring in somebody that would be not just a one-off i think he would maybe do a one-off episode but I don't think he would want to come back as like a recurring role. Oh, they should bring in Stephen Fry. That could work. I would love that. I, I honestly, I would love that because Stephen's not doing anything but QI and theater work and a couple movies here and there and a bunch of documentaries. But I haven't seen him on a regular TV series as a fictional character in a while, not since Bones. That, so, I that would be incredible. I always thought it was interesting that the master never came back for Smith's run. So yeah, I think I he's kind of the main, like other than the Daleks, I guess he would be considered kind of the main villain that the doctor faces. Yeah. So I was surprised they had a, a doctor for a number of seasons in a row and not have him face the master. So we're definitely due to have that character back. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this rumor is true. I'm looking for an article that I found where they were talking about, a picture that they believe might have been possibly maybe subtly connected to the master, but I can't seem to find it, but it was something about some guy took a picture of himself posted on Twitter. He has a beard 18th century. It would fit perfectly into series eight, all that wonderful stuff. And I forget who they said it was. Yeah. He's an actor from another popular show right now. And I think he was at a location that was the same location that they were filming and all this stuff. So I think that that was what, started that rumor because of the goatee and everything that he looked like well, the, the master. master could be any age right so it doesn't really Correct. matter yeah right um, it could be anyone and i mean it, i guess it could even be a woman really can it though i don't think it, i don't think they can change genders oh they can't i, I didn't know that I was established 
I thought that know. was kind of up in the air still. Well, it's kind of like uh, kind of like the doctor can never be female. I, I thought it was thought, a gender. There couldn't be a gender switch for I some reason. Moffat said that the doctor could be a female, but maybe I'm just. Did he? There's oh, been okay. hints. There's been hints. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think it could happen, and I wouldn't be surprised if it would happen for the doctor or the master because it seems I like mean, that's what I the fans want. Be, right now. I think it'd be more intriguing if the master was a female. I would. I would love to see that. But oh, I, so oh. I don't know. So so yeah. <laughs> so what about this? What about Danny Pink? See, that's the okay, mm-hmm. and I think we're getting into even more spoilerish stuff. But that was another theory that I had came across that I wasn't going to bring up. But yeah. that they're introducing this character, and you think he's his companion, but then you end up finding out that he's the master. You know, the master. Yeah, I hope they don't do that because that's pretty predictable. I would have you know never seen I mean? it coming if I didn't see it online, but yeah, yeah I would have guessed it. You would. You can always, yeah. Some I hate that too when they're trying to be a little too gimmicky. Um, that would be pretty annoying. Yeah, I hope I they don't. don't. I really want Danny Pink to be a, a good character. I hope he's a really cool companion. You know, yeah. somebody that can hang out with Clara. You know, yeah. bring that young vibe to the show. I I don't. I hope he's not a villain in disguise. That would be kind of cheesy. I just hope they don't ever bring on little kids as companions because they did that with one of the doctors. <laughs> I can't remember which yes. doctor they did that with where it was kids. And I'm like, ugh. And it just became, it felt like a Mr. Wizard episode. It was horrible. I just couldn't handle it. Well, Susan's bad enough in the, you know, she's supposed to be, I think, like 15 or something in the first yeah. series. And I can't, oh man. Oh yeah, we, are we going to, should we talk about the actual episodes we watched? <laughs> We got 25 minutes left. So oh, we, okay, okay. We can jump. Plenty of time. We will have, oh, to, okay, we'll have to burn through the episode. No, you have to be careful with me because I, I can get on a tangent and we can end up talking about something that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're supposed to talk about. So, Okay, so we will move into I'm like the that reviews. kind of Doctor Who villain. If there was a Doctor Who villain <laughs> that sidetracked the Doctor into not finishing what he was supposed to finish because I got him onto something else, that's, that's, that's why I could never be a companion. As much as I would love to be a Doctor Who companion, uh, you know, I would get us lost constantly because he would never be able to find his train of thought because we'd just be talking about something we shouldn't be talking about. (laughs) I don't know. I always wonder about that. Like, would I be a good Doctor Who companion? And I think I would be good if my only job was to take care of canine. I think if I was like canine's wrangler, it'd be kind of like a, a Mr. Peabody situation. You know, where he's the smart dog and I'm the stupid human that takes care of him. I'm loving this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just dying over here. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm I'm honest with my uh, skill set. And I just, I mean, I would be able to fix the TARDIS with glitter glue and googly eyes on occasion. But I have zero scientific uh, engineering background. So there's I mean, no the, the... way... I could ever, I can make the TARDIS look pretty, but I don't think I could ever fix it, fix it. And then I'm good with robots. I'm just not good at fixing them, but I'm really good at talking to them. So <laughs> I guess the one thing that you have going for you is that I'm pretty sure the classic Doctor Who TARDIS is made up of uh, silly string and googly yeah. eyes and yeah. glitter spray. So I think we're good there. Dental floss. Yeah. No, I think I would definitely be able to fix it with the craft supplies that I've got. Um, I'm also pretty fearless in meeting strangers. So I think I could meet aliens without being afraid of them. 
though I'd probably get killed within the first season because of that. But uh, I tend to like meeting unusual people from unusual countries, and then I try to learn their customs. So I think I would be good on that sense. Um, but I lose my temper easily. So every time we get accused of being a spy, I'd probably lose it. I mean, if you watch a lot of Doctor Who episodes, especially the really, really old episodes, um, every time they meet a new alien race, either they're immediately uh, held prisoner because they're considered to be invaders and they're worried about their king or ruler or whatever, or they're immediately uh, confused with a different race and they're either brought into a revolution by accident or as soon as they hear the word doctor, they think, the doctor can heal someone that's sick on their ship or sick on their planet. So that's usually what happens every time the doctor gets out of his TARDIS. And it just depends on which companion he's got on whether that goes good or bad. So hopefully I, if I was a companion, I would be more helpful than getting him into more trouble. But I don't I, know. I can't make that guarantee. I'm 99% sure you might have just completely described the episodes we're getting ready to talk about. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But it's true. If you watch all the old seasons, if you go through and watch every single Doctor, every single classic Doctor Who season, and luckily they're on Hulu Plus. Some of them are on Netflix as well. But as you pointed out, most of them are on Hulu Plus. If you watch them all in sequence, you can almost turn it into a drinking game where every single time he steps out of the TARDIS, he's either instantly thrown into the gulag or sent over to some sick person because he said his name was had doctor in it, <laughs> or or he just steps into a revolution by accident. Like it's very rare that he just gets off and goes sightseeing. And City of Death, I think, was the one. I think that was when they were in Paris. That's when they originally go to Paris to go sightsee, and they get mistaken as art thieves, which is <laughs> one of my favorite episodes ever. Um, but you know, even then, like they have like the FBI and CIA and mi6 and mi5 and kgb and like everyone's on them thinking they're spies or something and i love it because they're just there to drink some cappuccino and look at the louvre you know they're not there to do anything and they constantly get in trouble and i love i love that about doctor who episodes where they're always getting into the thick of it and uh when you watch the original series and when we talk about the episode where we reviewed they even brought this up in the very first episode of what we're watching for this discussion where he's like, oh, I don't want to get involved. It's kind of like that Star Trek Next Generation Picard speech about the prime directive. And they always mess it up. They always get involved when they're not supposed to. And this happens with the doctor and his companion. They always mess with history. They always screw things up. They always get involved. And uh, they don't just get back. They don't ever just meet people go, well, this is too much for us. And then go back to their TARDIS and leave. Like, I would love that. I would love just one episode. They get off and they realize they're in the middle of a war or in the middle of a natural catastrophe or in the middle of some horrible ethical dilemma. And they just go, eh. <laughs> they get tried. Back in the TARDIS. They tried in this episode, but somebody stole the lock on the. They the TARDIS, tried. But... They tried, but they should. When they smell something burning, you should run towards the TARDIS. That should always be rule number one. If you smell which, something burning, it might be the TARDIS. Which confuses me because I'm pretty sure the room was like ten by twelve that they were standing yeah. in, and the TARDIS was approximately five feet behind them. But that's beside yeah. the point. So that's let's. Too. Like if I had a TARDIS, I would not leave that. I would not let that thing leave my sight. 
Like I would always just be in a five meter like circle around it. I would never just go, well, I parked it here. Surely it's fine. Yeah. No way. Especially when you live in a city like mine, if you park anything, (laughs) it's going to be towed to the pound in five minutes. So anyway. All right. Well, let's get into the episode reviews since we've kind of, we've kind of transitioned to that. So we will leave. I was trying to do a good thing. We will leave the master rumors behind. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll move into our episode reviews. But okay. so we are reviewing the storyline, The Sensorites, which is the seventh storyline in Classic Doctor Who season one. And it's officially episodes 30 through 36. Uh, original air date, June 20th, 1964. And the episode titles were Strangers in Space, The Unwilling Warriors, Hidden Danger, A Race Against Death, and Kidnap, and A Desperate Venture. So. We have the Doctor and his companions who land inside of a spaceship and they come across these people who they think are dead and they find out they're not dead and they find out they're actually trapped by these aliens called the Sensorites and then so on and so on. But kind of to to jump into it here, I thought it was interesting at the very beginning how before they even land on the spaceship they have the, the cast is sitting and they're talking about how much they've all changed so much. And you know, almost trying to tell the audience, like, hey, look, we, we've made these characters, you know, have some growth. You know, how, what do you guys think about, I guess this question might be more toward Adam, since I know, Bonnie, you haven't been watching the episodes along with us. But where are you as far as the character growth of these characters? How do you feel? How do you feel it's gone? Are you happy with the characters as they are? We, we definitely talked about it uh, last episode about how we kind of feel like we're finally getting to the point where things are starting to level out. People are starting to interact more how we expect them to interact. So I did think it was kind of funny that the start of the episode um, was basically them kicking back and saying, ha ha ha. It started in a junkyard. Now we're on this grand adventure and everybody's cool that we're just kind of jumping from place to place. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting way to jump into the episode. It's kind of how I was feeling though, that I've seen growth, I've seen progression. So it's kind of cool to see it kind of reaffirmed on the screen. At least that's the direction that they're wanting to take it. So Bonnie, what do you think about these companions? I don't know how familiar you are with the first doctor episodes, but as far as Ian and Barbara and Susan, are these, are these characters, characters that you enjoy watching? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess they're interesting. They're interesting for me on like um, a retro level, you know, just on the sense of, okay, these are the first companions that we're introduced to. I mean, obviously, time's not linear. So the doctor obviously had his life before he met them um, that we find out later in other episodes in other doctors. We find out his history more. Um, I I don't know. I love the beehives. I have to say, I love their outfits. They're so sensible. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so funny. Like You can tell because Doctor Who goes for so many decades. You really do see a transition when it comes to fashion, when it comes to cultural mores, when it comes to um, feminism, when it comes to uh, the sexual revolution and uh music style and rock and roll and then you know what I mean you just see the culture reflected in um, the episodes and that's good sci-fi shows a mirror to um, what's happening at that time it's being filmed I mean that's that's kind of 
the testament of a good show is that it can reflect that. Um, I mean, Star Trek was a great example of that as well. Planet of the Apes was a great example of that. So when I watch these old episodes, I'm always trying to remember, okay, what happened in 1964? You know, what was important in England during the sixties? And obviously it was a musical revolution. Um, you know, a lot more was happening in politics, um, race issues, feminism, so I always try to keep that in mind when I'm watching the stuff like this. But to tell you the truth, I do think there is such a thing as having too many companions. And watching these old episodes, it was kind of hard to keep track. And I also was finding myself not caring. I think if it was just Susan and the doctor, I would care more. But because there's just too many of them, I'm kind of, I just, eh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just being kind of, bitchy about it but i just, <laughs> I just... I'm, a, I'm a little partial to ian myself i don't know if i'd want susan to be the only companion that might get a little uh, yeah but grading. She, could, she could die off i mean companions aren't forever i mean that's True. the one thing i, I i'm a horror but it's his this granddaughter is, yeah whatever this is one of those one of these things that i always kind of think about with companions is that they're very disposable uh which is probably a horrible thing to think of since i just was talking not too long ago about how I'd make a great companion. I'd probably be very disposable as well, but I just, I just find companions completely disposable. I just don't care. I think Rory and Amy were the only uh, ones that I just didn't want to see go away because I'd been so invested in them. I was invested in Donna too. So I was sad to see Donna go away, but other companions, I was glad to see them either stay on planets, fall in love with someone else Get lost in a parallel universe. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, just, so having that many companions in one episode, and this is, you know, from I was watching the very beginning too because I was watching them. Uh, not, I don't think I'd ever seen the very first Doctor Who episodes before. So when you asked me to be on the show, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go through these. So I actually watched all the ones before this. And oh, nice. uh, yeah, I just didn't realize how weird the intro was. Like how weird the first... <laughs> How weird the first episode was. I'm like, a junkyard? Really? Really? Yeah. But, okay. And I had no idea. Like, when I first watched this, I was like, wow. I wondered if I had been a little kid, and this is how I'd been introduced to Doctor Who, if I would have still watched it. Yeah. As opposed to being thrown in the middle when I watched Tom Baker's. So, ah, I don't know. Something that I noticed Too many about... companions for me, so I don't know. That's my verdict. Something that I noticed about this episode is I thought it was almost a rehash, very close to almost a, an exact rehash of the last episodes that we watched, the Aztecs episodes. Yeah. Um, because they basically land the TARDIS, it gets stuck, they can't get, you know, in the in the Aztec episodes it gets stuck in a tomb, and this one they lose the lock. Yeah. They end up having this people that they meet where there's one of them that's very benevolent, and then the other one is evil, and he's out to get them. And I was like, we're just watching the same storyline, but with just a different, different aliens. Oh, just wait. That's the whole template of Doctor <laughs> Who. That's basically every Doctor Who episode. I mean, that is seriously what happens. Uh, there's always, you know, they land somewhere. They get stuck in an uprising. They're trying to figure out who is against who. Or they land somewhere where there's royalty. And there's always somebody in the wings wanting to overthrow the king always 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 it's like house of cards over and over and over and over that's 
Richard III and King Lear, or not King Lear, I'm sorry, Richard III and Macbeth over and over and over. It's just, as long as there's someone at the top, there's at least two or three people below them that want to topple them. And, you know, the Doctor doesn't care about rank and file. That's one thing I really love about him as a character, is he just can't be bothered with um, class struggle. (laughs) He just doesn't care, which is very British, to care about class struggle, which is very British to care about, you know, your place on the society ladder. And um, the doctor just doesn't care because he knows he's better than all of them. So I think he just doesn't care about that sort of thing. And he always goes for the underdog, which I love about him is that he very rarely, there's a few episodes where he'll protect a king, but it's pretty rare. Um, and usually if he protects a king, it's because the people that are below that are trying to overthrow the king are so corrupt that he wants to help the king. I think uh, there was one episode that was like that with uh, Tom Baker, and I can't remember the name of it, but I think it was an android. It was almost like a Blade Runner kind of shout out, even though this predated Blade Runner, but about uh, they made an android. It's called the Androids of Tara, and they protect a king by building an android version of the king. If you don't stop burning my scarf, you're going to have to kill me. Doctor, you must forgive Swordsman Farrah. He tends to get over-enthusiastic in the pursuit of his duties. Perhaps he does. But particularly in defense of his prince. Well, maybe he does get too enthusiastic in the course of his duty. What about my scarf? Peasant, you will speak with respect when you address Prince Reinhardt of Tara. I told you I'm not a peasant. But you do know about androids. Anyway, I digress. Sorry. That's Worst all right. companion ever. <laughs> You're leaving googly eyes everywhere. I'm but when sorry. I'm, this is what happens if you get me to talk about Dr. Who. I'll keep bringing up other episodes. I'm sorry. Okay, so back to back to season one. So Sensorites. Uh, we yes. get This is kind of a first for Dr. Who. He, it's a, the first kind of alien species that we get that actually looks alien. You know, we've met the Thals. <laughs> we've met the Daleks who are just basically robots. But this yeah. is kind of the first like full costumed aliens and lots of zippers. Yeah, I have to say I was pretty <laughs> pretty uh, disappointed by uh, how they looked and how bad the costumes were. But I you think I got used to it by like the third episode. I was completely on board with it, but it took me a while. It's one of those things that when you're watching Doctor Who, like really old Doctor Who episodes, and this is season one. I mean, this is before we ever really see running the gamut of what you can do with costume design and alien design and all that. But it's just so funny to me, like, when I first see a Doctor Who alien, when they first uh, unveil him for, you know, a, in a scene for the first time, you can't help but giggle. And when I was watching this episode, I totally, I was, I don't even remember what I was drinking. I think I was drinking, like, Coca-Cola or something or soda of some sort. And when they show the alien peeping up from the window, <laughs> I totally did a spit take. It was just yep. one of those. That is the most hilarious looking alien. It's almost like the alien from Mac and Me. Yeah. Do you remember that horrible <laughs> tea ripoff? That, yes. That's what it reminded me of. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope there's a breakdancing scene. Which I of course it... there would be because it was the 60s. But still. I thought the was... aliens kind of reminded me of something out of the, the Star Wars cantina. Yeah. Or, or in a mix with the Ood. Which I yeah. think, which I did a little bit of research and actually the... The That's Ood, based on. The Ood based were actually based on the Sensorites, which I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. But yeah, so I thought that was a interesting interesting alien type to ha- to start out with. 
What did well, you think? Well, it's just their unitards are just so bad. You know, that's the sad thing. It's like they have sashes to describe where they are on rank and file. Like if they're, you know, where they are as far as importance level in their community. Uh, but they're just so weird looking. They look like old guys with beards and unitards. <laughs> It's and just, their beards are growing the wrong direction. They're growing the wrong direction. Like, it's just hard. And I just always wonder, how hard is it to be afraid of something that looks so comical? Like, they must just they must just be the butt of, the, of every alien joke in the Empire. You know, you just one of those things where it's hard to take a villain seriously when you just want to giggle because they look so ridiculous. But... Well, that's the thing. Like the entire crew was just like terrified of these sensorites, but yet the doctor and his companions are just like, okay, whatever. We'll turn off the lights and we'll re- we'll yell real loud, and yeah. the sensorites just scatter. I loved yeah. I loved Ian's reaction when he was trying to protect uh, whoever he was with. I think it was Barbara, and he had whatever he found some kind of wrench, and he he kept acting like he was going to hit him, and he would like <laughs> kind of lunge, but not you know, kind of like fake him out, and they kept stopping. I was cracking up that entire scene. Yeah, it's just, it's, I mean, I guess if you were in it, you wouldn't be laughing. But when you're watching it, you just can't help but laugh because they seriously look so ridiculous. And, uh, I mean, that's the problem with sci-fi TV shows is that you can only do so many, you know, scary looking costumes and then you start getting into the ridiculous. But this is, this is not even way into the season of Doctor Who. I mean, this is what the third storyline. Seventh seventh storyline it's not even yeah we got a ways to go this is actually (laughs) the last i think this is the last episodes on hulu plus that are in season one so we're about to move into season two yeah so we got a long ways to go but i was i was more frightened like frightened in a (laughs) minor sense of the crazy man john in the first couple uh episodes where he's kind of i mean there's one point where he lunges at barbara and susan and you don't know whether he's trying to attack them eat them or kiss them i was very confused by well this is a point in time (laughs) could be all of the above who knows i'm actually more afraid of the doctor than i am of any of them just (laughs) because creepy old men are always creepy old men to me so I don't know. That was rather ageist of me, but that you know. was that was. Well, no, but... I mean Dumbledore. I could totally hang with him, but this doctor, <laughs> not so much. This doctor you... creeps me out, and he's mean. Like in this episode, he he was becoming mean again. I think last episode that you saw a kinder side of the doctor because he had that girlfriend in the garden and all that stuff. Yeah. But in this episode, you have him kind of being a jerk, especially to Susan, who is his granddaughter, and he's kind of you know lecturing her and yelling at her and telling her what to do and. I guess that's maybe kind of a 60s thing that, you know, you got to listen to the patriarch of the family. I wish they would bring Susan, her storyline or her history or something into the modern Doctor's episode. Well, the actress is still around. Um, and but even if they just referred to it once in a while, because that I didn't even know about that till I started watching um, these new episodes. Or not new episodes. So I watched these old episodes because I was going to be on this podcast and uh, I didn't even know about her. You didn't at know all. he had a granddaughter. I had no idea. No yeah, idea yeah. because it, like I said, time for this doctor, time for a time lord is not linear. So he never made reference to her in any of the new reboot or not reboot, but any of the new episodes at all. Whenever he talked about family, yeah, he did. Yeah, right. He did talk about family, but he never specifically never said, talked about her. I mean, he yeah. talked that he said he was married. 
Right. Um, and then we find out about, you know, River. We find out about all this stuff later, but she never talks about grandkids. Yeah. And so it just seemed odd to me. The 10th Doctor actually does quote Susan. Does he really? When she talks about missing Gallifrey and she talks about the orange skies and the golden leaves. Yeah. Uh, Tennant's doctor actually says those exact lines in an episode when he's with uh, Martha when they're... Oh, well, yeah. He says that, but he never mentions right, her. Right, right. He doesn't mention her at all, right? But he does quote her. So I guess maybe that's kind of a callback to her, but... Yeah, it, that's a very vague callback. Very direct, I mean, yeah, no one would know that unless yeah. they were total Whovians. They would never know that. So that's... Yeah. that's I, I feel like if you're going to do shout-outs to old-school Doctor Who, why not bring up Susan? That's what I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, the shout outs. Maybe it goes too far back. I don't know. They did some pretty good shout outs in the 50th anniversary as far as the, you know, Ian Chesterton's name is on the the sign of the school and it's the same school that they taught at. And I think, uh, you know, with with Clara and Danny Pink are going to be teachers at Cole Hill School. So I think it's it's really cool to see Moffat going back and referencing the first doctor. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It'd be nice to get a little bit more. I don't know. I just, I guess I, you know, I'm learning so much watching this first season of Doctor Who that I've never seen before as a fan. It's fun, right? Yeah. And so watching these old episodes, I'm like, holy cow, I had no idea. I had no idea that the Daleks were introduced so early on. Um, And then in this season or in this episode sequence that we watched, just so many references to the beginnings of what would be the Ood. And um, I really loved that. Even though, to tell you the truth, I like the Ood much more than the sensor sensorites. Yeah, they the Ood are a little bit a little bit better costume design. Um, and, I thought, more, and more sympathetic too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, where where do we go from here? I feel like we've completely lost track. Um, so the the elder companion ever. I want to ask, ask you, Aaron, about. Yeah. Um, There's a part where they basically, Susan tells Barbara, hey, maybe if we all just think the same thought at together and they count down. I know that your big, one big hang up that you have with Moffat is how he's always going back to, like, if we all think happy thoughts, if we all think this way, then that will become the truth. I want to know what you think of seeing kind of that exact same thought pattern within the first couple episodes of Doctor Who. I, I didn't mind the way they used it in this because it wasn't like, hey, you know, Amy, just think about the doctor and the whole universe will reset, you know, like that, that's a little extreme to me, the way Moffat uses it. So I didn't even really pick up on it that much in this one. So now it didn't really bother me. Wasn't that uh, kind of the thing that they did with, uh, Martha retelling his story over and over and over and over and over, yes. uh, until it got reset. I mean, they did that again. Yeah. They did that with a master. Yep. Um, God, what? Yeah. I get kind of annoyed with that whole hive mind of the universe kind of situation as well. Think happy thoughts and everything will be okay. Yeah. Why didn't they just say, kill it? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they just both say, you're going to die, you're going to, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, and then they could have killed the alien. And I mean, maybe that's what Leela would have done. So Leela <laughs> would have never just thought it. She would have just speared it through the heart. But um, I just, I don't know. I thought I'm horrible. That... I'm a horrible human. I'm one of those humans that when aliens invade, I'm not going to give it flowers. I'm probably going to push it, push it into a closet till we can figure out what to do with it. And that's you're going to be the one that actually starts the the war with the aliens. 
Probably. I mean, that's the funny thing. Every time you see alien movies or sci-fi TV shows and aliens invade, there's one of two possibilities. Either we work together and cure cancer and war's done and now what? Or it turns into, okay, one of us is going to imprison the other for slavery. I mean, I don't know if you're watching Starcrossed, but Starcrossed is like, uh, it's on CW and it's Matt basically Lantern's show. Matt Lantern's on it. I know our own, our own Anakin Skywalker's on it. And, uh, he basically, you know, he's in, part of an alien and they put all the aliens in basically the, the equivalent of nice inter- internment camps, like Japanese internment camps or not necessarily like Holocaust concentration camps. We don't want to do that, but they're definitely put off to the side and they're not integrated till a decade later. They're forced to go to high school with us, which I think is worse than prison. I don't know why they did that. (laughs) Why they make the aliens go to high school with normal human high school kids. I mean, that's just like the worst punishment ever to aliens. Um, But you know, they, that's usually how sci-fi shows work is that you basically either become friends with aliens and work together for a common good, which very rarely happens or you imprison them or they imprison us. Yeah. So with Doctor Who, it's, you know, pretty similar where they either get imprisoned or... But Doctor Who never tries to imprison them. At least I'll give him that much credit. He doesn't actually try to start wars. Um, Unless you but, take one of his companions. Well, he'll still try to rescue that companion. I don't think he tries to start wars. And that's that's why I like Tom Baker is even the most evil, war-hungry alien that would come at him, he'd still offer him candy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jelly baby. Whereas with this doctor, I just didn't like this doctor. I'm not a big fan of the first doctor. I find him to be kind of annoying grandpa. You know, like Grandpa Simpson. Yeah. Though not as senile, that senile, just kind of just low patience and very argumentative and just kind of boring. I think he might be borderline senile. The amount of lines that he muffs. Yeah. But yeah, there is so much. There's so many messed up lines in these stories. This is time. it really? I just never notice. I guess I just give them the benefit of the doubt. It wasn't just him. It was all the extras. Anybody that yeah. was in a sensorite the costume. The were just killing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably tough to talk through that like burlap sack that they have on their face. But I don't even know if they had a mouth. Weird. Well, some of the sensorites are pretty good because if you watch it, like sometimes I do this when I'm working, I'll watch stuff with the sound off. Um, just to see how they mimic um, things, because it's really hard. I mean, Anthony Daniels said this about uh, being in the C-3PO costume. You have to be really good at miming, because if your mouth doesn't move and your eyes don't move, how do you convey emotion um, other than tone and dialogue? You really have to kind of wave around your arms in a certain way and put your head down in shame. And, you know, it's very mimicry. You know, it's very much like mime where you just have to, convey something and so i just as an experiment i watched one of these episodes with the sound off i think it was kidnap um (laughs) just to see okay is the acting any better when i can't hear them because i want to see how bad the acting is because i was i guess i was noticing some flub lines here and there but i just really wanted to see am i getting sidetracked by the dialogue if i just watch this so i watched it with the sound off i think i had lady gaga or something playing in the background which by the way, this makes for a great Lady Gaga music video if you do that. Um, <laughs> and it was just some Susan's kind of weird in this episode, especially when she's dancing around being a dork. 
And um, Ian's fine. The doctor's fine. But the sensorites looked extra creepy when I couldn't hear them. <laughs> so maybe if they didn't talk at all, it would have been even a scarier episode. <laughs> I don't know. Some oh, of the sensorites had pot bellies, so it was really hard to take them seriously. <laughs> a pot belly in a thermal leotard is just not... They look like they're all wearing thermals. I mean, come on. I can see belly buttons. Oh, I have to keep muting my mic so I don't laugh out loud in this. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I thought that I Ian's, even help it. Ian's turtleneck. Ian's turtleneck wasn't very flattering either. I think no, I can see a little bit of a I really gut there. I want someone to dress up as a sensory for Comic Con this year. I don't know why. <laughs> I but thought I about it. Awesome. I thought about it. I was like, that would be an easy costume to do, and I wonder how many people would actually know what the heck you're supposed to be. But it would, it would be, be so genius. Hot. You'd be so hot. Not in sexy hot. I mean, like temperature hot. Oh, I like, thought you were giving me a compliment. Well, maybe. I don't know. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I at those feet, though, because they have, like, saucer feet. So yes. it would be really hard to get on an escalator and not fall onto a Klingon or something. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah. so the, the poor second elder, um, he, he was kind of, like, a, a really good guy. He was standing his ground, even though they were, like, you know, threatening to kill his family or whatever. But then, <laughs> yeah. when he ends up, like making a, a break for it they do like this shoulder chop and he oh, just dies yeah. it's like judo yeah and i was like these sensorites man like it doesn't take much to take him out because i mean I that know. killed him yeah but i and felt bad for him because the... he was he was like being you know he was defending the humans and yeah. you know not giving up but i don't know yeah i felt really bad for that character you don't ever get to see them run that's the one thing i really wanted to see them running with those feet but I guess it would just be a lot of extras falling on each other because with saucer feet, it's just you can't you can't run in those shoes. So yeah, and they, I don't know. And they can't cut that often. I don't think with the way they were doing production back then. So what did you think about Susan giving herself up to the aliens as like a trade? Um, I don't know. Typical Susan, I think. <laughs> that's yeah. what, that's kind of what I was thinking. But, yeah. Um, okay. She, she doesn't tend to make the best decisions based on other stuff that I've seen with her. Yeah. I think it was interesting that she was the only one that had the telepathic ability, which was kind of a interesting thing to throw in there that everybody else had no idea what was going on, but yet she was able to communicate. Yeah, that was yeah. a nice, uh, convenient, convenient thing that came up in this episode was that she was telepathic. Does that did the doctor? In, does that come up in future episodes? Because I'm not really that familiar with her character. So is that? Her We're not either now, or is that just it shows up for this and then doesn't come back? I have no idea. I know the doctor said that they're going to explore that ability of hers. You know, oh, at the end of the episode, okay. he said that, but yeah. I don't know if it comes back up or not because I'm not. Me and Adam both are pretty new to the classic Doctor stuff. That's one of the reasons why we're doing these reviews is so it you know it forces us to go back and watch these episodes. Yeah. So I don't know any of the fates of any of these characters. Oh, okay. Oh my so. god! I'm just now realizing those unitards show some camel toe that shouldn't be there. <laughs> Sorry. We're all While the we're talking. I'm watching some of the episodes with the sound off just to see if I forget <laughs> anything, and I'm just. It is just so amazing how ugly these aliens are, and I and com not ugly, comical. I should just say comical because that's. Where yeah. were all the female sensorites? Maybe they were kind of hermaphrodite, hermaphrodite. Yeah or no. Maybe. Asexual? Very possible. I don't yeah. know. We don't really get into their reproductive issues, no. do they? Like Thank when goodness. they talk, they show the family, they don't show 
any women, right? So it's just sort of another interesting thing I thought with with uh, the character of Carol, yeah. how how she outs herself as a racist or a speciesist or whatever you want to call it, oh, right. where she's like, I can't tell you apart from behind, <laughs> and I was just like, that is such a rude thing to say to somebody, but of Aww. course that that like um, you know sets off the idea of the censorite who is going to you know basically imitate the other one yeah Yeah. it was it was interesting that the city administrator was basically like you're right we can't tell each other apart (laughs) let me take his sash yeah that's the funny thing is that it's like you know it's not really a a a racist slash species thing to say if they agree right you know they're like oh you're right these sashes are we do which would make it would make dating complicated if no one really could tell each other apart i mean that just that's a situational comedy waiting to happen. Are yes. the are the censorites like dwarves where they all have beards? That's like do the women have longer beards, I wonder? <laughs> the children have beards. The children have beards, the animals have beards cuz there's no are... animals to speak of. Yeah. Well, I wonder there were possibly animals in the aqueducts which we found oh, out aren't right. animals themselves. So what was up with that? Because that was something that confused me when he went down to the aqueduct and he got attacked and his jacket was all ripped up. Did they? Ex- did I just miss that? Was that the humans that were pretending to be monsters, or what? What attacked him? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure that it was the humans. It's except, like you said, it's kind of interesting that they essentially shredded his coat and then just left him there. So. <laughs> um, that's the, the only thing that makes sense is that it was the humans. I don't think there was anything else down there. Yeah. There was no payoff to that. I just really was confused. Like what were the humans doing? I guess maybe their whole purpose was they were trying to scare off the sensorites. So they were pretending that there was a monster down there. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. They, okay. they didn't want them to find the deadly nightshade. In and the, that was okay. That was what was poisoning the water then the plant that down there. Yeah. It seems like the crazy commander and crazy human one and crazy human two were dumping poison <laughs> into the water supply at yeah. some point which the, the first human and the second human which i thought were wonderful designations considering the first elder and the second elder oh yeah we should probably explain to the people listening to this what actually happened <laughs> we're so far we're, off at this point we're so far off base which was you know <laughs> hopefully they, basically, they watch the episodes hopefully you watch the episodes but if you haven't they landed uh the tardis lands they find people in distress on a ship the ship people basically are being held captive but they're not being held they're not they're not being killed but they're being held captive and their minds are being played with by this other species that are alien species or whatever that doesn't want them to leave and go off and tell other humans that this planet exists because their planet is full of some sort of mineral that's really valuable um am i getting this right i'm just going off of memory right on and so uh, basically no one can leave because they don't want anyone to know about this planet because they don't want them to come back and declare war and take their planet away from them. Uh, so they just kind of mess up their minds, still feed them and stuff, but they, they're not allowed to leave. And then <laughs> so when the doctor basically he doesn't want to be stuck here forever. And so they keep going back and forth, bartering with humans of, OK, well, you can hold on to Susan. But while well, we try to figure this out, it's like collateral. Um, but then the doctor's not cool with that. And so they keep, I can't remember, doesn't someone take Susan's place or they go and rescue Susan? Well, they send, they send everyone but Barbara because the actress that was playing Barbara went on vacation for a couple days. 
Oh, right. <laughs> so they send, they send everyone down to the, the planet's surface or the sphere's surface, and then uh, they keep bartering. The doctor says he'll help cure the people that are sick, and then Ian gets sick, and then the doctor comes up with a cure, but then the administrator is trying to sabotage everything, so he throws a cure on the ground. So, And then they end up going down into the aqueducts to try to figure out the source of the poison, end up finding these humans down there. And I think that's, I think we've kind of covered it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at some point they thought that the poison wasn't a poison, but a disease yeah. that the humans had spread. Right. Um, but that wasn't the case. And then you also, you know, everyone's like, no, the humans aren't going to go and tell everyone about your planet and mine it. But in fact, they do want to do that. So not the humans that the doctors with, but the humans that they find the three crazy humans, the three crazy humans who think they're at war right now. And so they have to fake a victory. So the humans can be <laughs> captured. Yep. Yes. Uh, I, I thought that's where it, it was starting to get interesting at that point. Like they meet these crazy humans. I thought the guy that was playing the commander actually was probably the best actor of all the extras. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought that was hilarious how he kept referring to his army, but he only actually had two guys there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I thought that was that was genius. The new arrivals are here, Commander. Well, this is the best news I've had for a long time. I'm very glad to see you both. Did you have a rough journey? Yes, of course. I'm sure you must have done. Let's have something to sit down on, number one. Yes. They're very rough quarters here. You'll have to excuse that. But I'm sure you're both used to battle stations by now. Yes. Excuse me. Number two, you can take over ammunition detail now. You'll find the new supplies already. Pipe it into pipe number seven this time. All right? Carry on. Number one, yes, organize a lecture for number two, will you? Saluting isn't for me, you understand? It's the uniform. Understood? Yes, sir. Have to keep discipline up, you know? But they're all good men, very fine. Morale's very high here. And I was kind of like, okay, what's going to happen now? And then they come out of the aqueduct, they they capture the humans, and then the show ends. And they don't yeah. even we we get no um, victorious moment against the this administrator guy who's been the villain the whole time. Well, no, he's banished, isn't the <laughs> well, they, the yeah, but we don't get to see guy. it. We don't get well, to see anything. Like it's just like, hey, what happened to the administrator? Oh, we banished him. Okay. Like, I wanted well, to see them, like, take him away in chains and, like, him going, oh, they got me. Yeah, I mean, Art, if it wasn't for you meddling kids, yeah. you wanted a Scooby-Doo. <laughs> you wanted a Scooby-Doo ending, I wanted you? the Scooby-Doo ending. I didn't get it. Yeah. Um, it yeah, seemed it abrupt. was a little weird. It was very abrupt. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was pretty abrupt. And also, didn't say, didn't Ian say something that pissed off the doctor at the end? He did. Oh, it was yes. something about him not being able to fly the TARDIS correctly. He, yeah. He, he mentioned that, like, the the crew that they rescued, at least, like, at least they know where they're going. And that just made the doctor fly off the handlebars. And then the doctor was like, next place we land, I'm leaving you behind. Does he? Does he yeah. leave him behind in the next place? Uh, I doubt it, but oh, that's what he That would have been so saying. great if he was, like, get on his word and said, okay, good luck, kid. He's like leave them on like a Mustafar volcano planet or something. <laughs> Enjoy your stay. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, I, I guess that the administrator they banish him, uh, to that like the outer rim of wherever they're at for his crimes, never to return. 
I never find that to be a good way to get rid of someone. Because <laughs> I, you know, in sci-fi 101, unless the guy is dead, and even then, a lot of those villains come back to life somehow, some way through DNA or something weird. It's it's if you banish someone to the outer rim, chances are they're going to come back even more pissed off. I have a feeling we have no danger of him coming back. I don't know. See, I feel like Stephen Moffat just has to run out of ideas and he'll go back to like <laughs> the TARDIS, TARDIS.wikia.com. He just has to go to the Doctor Who wiki and find all these old episodes and go, oh my, what about that guy? He was banished. We could bring him back. Like, that's like soap. It's like de- dealing with soap operas. And Doctor Who, for all intents and purposes, is a sci fi soap opera. The 12th, um, the 12th Doctor's nemesis is going to be the administrator of the city <laughs> <laughs> from the well, Sensorites. He may not be a nemesis, but I could see him coming back on he one episode. He has his disintegrator with him, and he actually has a key that works this time. <laughs> yes. You know, I think it would be, I think, I, I'm about to, I think it would behoove a Wahoovian. Oh, that was good. I wanted to say that for a while. I think it would behoove a Wahoovian to put together a list of every single banished villain from Doctor Who episodes, starting with this very first season one, all the way to modern day Doctor Who, and see how long that list is to see if any of those will come back. I think that would be a good March Madness kind of bet. We can start playing Doctor Who bingo. Yes, is to see who's coming back from the banished to the outer rim list. Um, Because, like I said, time is not linear, so any of these people can come back at any point and it would be really funny. I would just love it because how does the doctor remember all these people? <laughs> I can barely remember people I met in junior high. Like I couldn't even imagine being as old as the doctor and remembering every single alien race I pissed off. Just saying. Yep. That's, Sorry, that's I didn't point. mean to go on another tangent, but no, that's all right. So let's let's wrap this up. Um like kind of some final thoughts. What did you think mm. overall of the, the episodes? We'll start with Adam. Um, did you enjoy these episodes? I did. I really did. Um, I think there was enough quirkiness in the episodes. Um, but yeah, there were enough things that actually got me thinking about the episode that I enjoyed it. To me, it was probably a step up from the Aztec episode, um, minus the worst costumes and the fact that the, <laughs> the lock got burnt out of the TARDIS door, but that's yeah. Other than that, I thought it was great. Yeah. I think, um, overall I actually did enjoy it too. I think I'm really starting to, these characters are starting to grow on me. You know, the, the companions that are there now, I'm starting to like them. I'm starting to, to like, you know, their interactions. And I did, I still don't like the doctor that much, but I'm, I'm hoping that he's going to change a little bit and eventually grow on me, but I'm just enjoying watching these characters and I thought the story was pretty interesting. I definitely had some issues with elements of it, but overall, it was pretty good. I was entertained for... I, I wish it was only a three-episode arc instead of six. I think they could have kind of squeezed it down a little bit, but overall, I was entertained. What about you, Bonnie? Yeah, I'm actually going to be watching all of this first season um, over again. Well, not first season, but first Doctor over again because I some some I've seen bits and pieces of in in my past and some I don't remember at all and so I kind of want to rewatch these and um see if I can pick out things that are being used 
uh, are referenced now in um, in these episodes that you know the most modern day episodes. So I like that. I again, I'm a, I'm all in favor for less companions, but I think Ian is starting to grow on me a little bit. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I'll have to keep watching and see what I think of it. But man, this is probably one of my favorite villains just for that costuming. Those unitards are horrible. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know what to say. Like, I, it's just, it's so comical and I can't help but giggling. And that's why I watch Doctor Who. And I think that's why I wish more Whovians that are, or Whovians now would go back and watch these old episodes um, and these old seasons because it's just so much fun to see what they got away with in the 60s uh, as considered as entertainment. You know what I mean? It's just, it cracks me up. These costumes are so bad. And um, a lot of the plot points are hilarious. The inside of the TARDIS is hilarious. What they consider to be like different alien worlds interior still looks like a Beatles Mod Pod. Like it's still, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like the furniture that they're sitting around is very mod. And it's just, it cracks me up. Like when you think of intergalactic space travel that still in, in Doctor Who's world all the inner space and weird intergalactic furniture still looks like stuff that you would have seen in a bachelor pad in the sixties and swing in London. So it just cracks me up that that, that they still kept it of that era. Um, and they do that all the way through Dr. Who it's not until later that they start to make an effort, but I just, I love that turtlenecks are a thing with villains. <laughs> or with I Ian. Love- I just love that. You know, I love that cotton blends are still big there. You know, it just it just cracks me up. So, Adam, before we end the episode, you always seem to have a couple, you know, just insightful things that you caught throughout the episode. Did you have anything that stuck out to you uh, in this storyline? Um, there's one spot in particular where Susan is communicating with the <laughs> um, sensorites through her mind that... Um, you can actually hear someone else talking in the background, which I just no. thought was hilarious. Like they're 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 calling out numbers or ah. something in the background. It's it's just weird how I sw- it's definitely someone on the set talking over Susan, and they just probably didn't have the film to cut it out. So you can still <laughs> pick up on that, um, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, the fact that the guy takes out the door of the spaceship they're in with a, it looks like a Dremel drill and he like makes two cuts in it. And all of a sudden they can hoist the door up. I thought was um, pretty funny. Obviously the sensorites in their pajamas the entire time. Um, that was pretty good. But outside of that, everything else was everything. I did think that they looked like the Oods, but from what you said, that makes perfectly good sense. And I like the motion sensor doors that they had to walk up to and <laughs> yes, wave their yeah. hands at. Wave your hand. Yes. Yeah. That was like the most, yeah, that was not a very practical way to build a motion sensor to have it where you have to reach up and wave your hand. But And, and, there's, a, and there's a creepy thing to think about when Susan is standing right next to one of the sensorites. And this is when she does that mind control thingy uh, test over the game thing i don't know how to explain it but it's in the last episode of this story arc and they're right next to each other they're the exact same height (laughs) and their like oblong head looks exactly like susan's because susan has a beehive (laughs) and they're the same height and then for a minute there i was like oh my god what if these sensorites were like ancestors of susan 
and they are about the same height and the same head shape because she has a beehive. This is what happens like either way in the past or way in the future because of beehives. So that's, I don't know. Maybe I I was over, I was probably overthinking it, but when you saw them side by side, you're like, Oh my God, Susan can totally be a sensorite because of the beehive. That's awesome. I need someone to Photoshop Susan's head onto a sensorite body. (laughs) No, I, I think she would rock the turtleneck, uh, thermals better. Um, I do want to say with the, when it comes to the crazy humans, I love that they had large pointy sticks and, <laughs> oh, uh, but they all look like very, you know, carefully made pen. They look like gigantic pencils basically yes, that they're exactly. like lodging at them. And I just kept thinking if I was a crazy human, I would look so much more like Marilyn or not Marilyn Manson. Sorry. I would look so much more like Charlie Manson with my hair. If I was a crazy human guy, then what they looked like, they all look like the Bee Gees because they actually <laughs> ratted out their hair and it looked like a quaff. You know what I mean? Like it looked like they, man, even though they're crazy humans living in this under, you know, under region, their hair still looks like they took the time to look, made their hair look good. Like the if co- you look at their hair, it's not like crazy. The commander uh, runs a tight army. He, he, you cannot. Here's the thing: they don't look like they they take the, they look like they take their grooming very seriously. They don't look like crazy. I'm trying to remember what was the Monty Python, uh, where they have the crazy hair. It's always the guy that's running around at the very beginning, and now for I don't know, I don't know I don't how know. to at the very end of Monty Python, the crazy guy with the hair everywhere. Oh my god, I'm on so much pain medication right I'm now. Sorry. I can't. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is that these old guys, these guys that are supposed to look crazy, they still look like every morning they get in front of a mirror and rat out their hair and try to look like one of the Gibb brothers. <laughs> they look like BGs. They don't look like a crazy caveman. And that was my point. Definitely. But it just took like 20 minutes for me to explain. So I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> One right. other thing I just got to throw out there real fast. Did anybody ever, did anybody else think that Ian was getting pretty, pretty cozy with Carol there in the beginning? Yes. Yes. Well, he was getting handsy with everybody because when he was talking to Carol, he had his hand on her shoulder, but then he went and talked to the dude captain and then he put his hand on that guy's shoulder too. And then later on in the episode, he's with Susan and he has his hand like on her upper thigh. Yeah. And I'm like, teacher. <laughs> I know, right? So yeah, I think I think that might have been yeah, that's a little handsy. That might not have been in the script. That might have just been the actor, or it could have just been the '60s. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't really think they had those. I don't think the TARDIS ever had um, sexual harassment day where they like had to watch the video that's like you know senior level employees should not be touching their underlings. Like I don't think they ever had that. Maybe not till K nine. I bet you can't. When K9 came along, I bet he had all those videos stored up <laughs> and he like made them watch it. But I think once you get to Tom Baker, he substituted any kind of handsy handsy on with uh, jelly babies. So his idea of flirting was giving you candy. I think that was, and also the you know, strangers do have the best candy. So maybe <laughs> strangers have the I best candy. Yeah. Maybe it was a '60s thing because I don't remember any of the other companions being that. Not until modern day. Modern day companions tend to be overly flirtatious with the doctor and other companions. Well, I don't Ian, think we see it until Captain Harkness, where we really see 
some sexual harassment going on. Yeah, Captain Jack <laughs> takes it to the next level. But Captain Jack is his own sexual harassment video. That's just <laughs> he's a sexual harassment video in 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 itself. Like, but to be fair, half the people he flirts with flirt back with them. So I don't think it's anything bad. So on that note, um, <laughs> sorry. Adam- Am I leaving it on a very horrible, uh, inappropriate note? Not at all. Not at okay. all. Okay, good. So, Adam, do you want to uh, let people know where they can find us? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Try not to laugh throughout. Where they can sexually harass you? Is that what you're trying yeah. to imply? This is the worst segue ever. These are the conventions that we go to if you want to yeah. meet up with us. This is awesome. I love this episode. This if is a great time. If you ever want to put your hand on their thigh, this is where you can find them. yes um okay so yeah so thanks for joining us um, for another bad wolf radio podcast uh it it was great to have you with us bonnie thanks for stopping in for uh hanging out with us for for no I, i appreciate it and i'm sorry i took over the podcast i uh you're my first social interaction for the day, so I apologize. It was either you or the pizza guy was going to hear all this. <laughs> it, it, our pleasure. Believe you me. Okay, good. So if you're listening to us, feel free to jump over to iTunes. You can definitely leave us a rating on iTunes. Um, share us with your friends. That's always welcome. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Bad Wolf Podcast. Um, Aaron and I definitely try to frequent Twitter just to get some interaction going. Always love to hear your thoughts, what you think of the podcast, any ideas that you have for future episodes. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Um, Definitely a fun community going on there. Um, Always trying to share as much news as we can. Feel free to share stuff with us there as well. And then you can always send us your feedback at badwolfpodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And thanks again, Bonnie, for coming on. Yeah, no, I had fun, and hopefully you'll have me on again, and I'll try not to ramble on too much. But this is, you've, you've reignited my um, interest in the original classic Doctor Who episodes of uh, Doctors That Predate Tom Baker. So I, I want to go back and watch them all now. So well, now thank that... you for that. Thank you for now giving me something else to binge watch instead of getting <laughs> real work. Instead of getting real work done, I'm sure my editors are going to be very happy with you. So thanks. Well, now that we know that you're watching the classic episodes, we will be—you'll be hearing from us again for sure. Yeah, and I'm—I'm I'm on Twitter too at uh, Bonnie Girl. So it's just Bonnie G R R L. So I'll try to uh, let people know when I'm going to live tweet episodes that I'm watching. If anyone wants, to, if you guys want to chime in or yeah, definitely uh, retweet any of the stuff I'm tweeting, I'm probably going to start doing screenshots of some of the more hilarious villains and alien species just because this is really cracking me up so uh (laughs) i I may have to go back and watch the episodes we just reviewed so i can get an ideal screenshot of a really bad thermal unitard camel toe from the sensorites (laughs) i would love to see a doctor who craft book coming soon you know what i've been wanting to do one i have been wanting to do a doctor who craft book forever and I actually wanted to do one before I did the official Star Wars craft book. But the problem with Doctor Who is there's so many people that own the trademark and the rights. And it's not just one group. It's, you know, the dialects are owned by one set of people. Doctor Who is not just BBC. It's also owned by the government, (laughs) which is uh, get your conspiracy theories ready for that one. So the British government also owns Doctor Who. So you have to go through... So many loopholes. I mean, if you ever have Ashley Eckstein 
um, from her universe. And obviously Ahsoka Tano, she voiced that in Clone Wars. But for her her universe the, to get the Doctor Who uh, permission to do anything for a clothing line or, or uh, jewelry or whatever, they had to go through some major hoops. So um, as much as I would love to do a Doctor Who craft book, an official one, it... I think my literary agent's gonna have to have like quite the. She's gonna have to have sensorite like mind control in order <laughs> to get that done, uh, because it's it's a lot of um, legal hurdles to jump over. But hopefully it will happen. And maybe if your listeners, um, you know, nag the British government enough, it'll happen. I, I do believe in nagging as getting things done. So between nagging and mind control, maybe we can make this happen. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to continue to talk to Bonnie off air, and then we will wrap up the episode. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hey. hey.